Welcome to the 1823 podcast from LJMU. In this episode, we're reflecting on NASA's successful Artemis mission and what it means for space exploration. I'm Andy Newsom. I'm the director of the National Schools Observatory here at uh, LJMU, and with me is Matt Dartley, and we're both from the Astrophysics Research Institute. So, hi, Matt. Hi, Andy. So, hi, everybody. I'm Matt Darnley. I'm professor of time domain astrophysics at the ARI, and I'm also head of teaching, astrophysics teaching, and I'm also a big fan of all things space. Excellent. That's a good starting point. I, I suppose we should probably um, just make make it clear what Artemis is. So what what is Artemis? Why was this mission such a big step forward? So Artemis is, I guess for some people, a, a very long overdue follow-up to, to the Apollo program of the late 1960s and, and early 1970s. So it's humans or more specifically United States next um, attempt to, to put humans back on the on the surface of, of the moon but beyond that it, it's also a step it's conceived as a stepping stone to putting humans eventually on the surface of, of Mars right so long-term plans but also the short-term stuff that's fantastic now I mean obviously going into space isn't like popping down at the shops even when it's icy as it is today so what are the different stages in a mission like this what do you actually need to do to get people onto the moon or mars yeah it's it's not easy i think it's probably the easiest thing to, to say about it um it's there's been this is this mission has been literally decades in the in the planning um so what you effectively need is is a big a great big rocket um which which um and which it basically is part of the Artemis program. We have the, the space launch system, which is largely technology derived from the the, the, yeah, the now retired space shuttles. But we need we need a really big rocket to basically put a huge amount of energy into to help humans escape the gravitational field of the Earth in order to 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 get to, to the moon. Going to the moon is is much harder than than putting things into low Earth orbits. But, launching things in the lowest orbit, especially over the last decade, has become almost routine. Going to the moon just from a just from the amount of energy required perspective is is a is a whole no, is a whole other ball game. Um so the, these rockets and so the, the space launch system, which is at the heart of the Artemis program, is what is one of the most powerful rockets ever ever designed and, and flown. Obviously yes it's it takes a lot of energy and it's hard work, but I mean, this was done more than 50 years ago. I suspect this was done before you were even born. So why has it taken so long to move from the Apollo program to something where we're actually seriously considering taking people back to the moon again? No, that's that's, that's a really good question. And yeah, yes, for 50, 53 years ago, we were able to do this. In fact, actually, the Apollo program had quite a large delay in it because, because of a, an issue and for a really unfortunate and tragic issue around Apollo One, so we we've probably had the technology to, to do this since since the mid 1960s, and we haven't lost that technology. It hasn't gone away. I think what what went away was was the will to do it because going into space in general is expensive. Going going to the moon is a is a whole another ball game of expensive. Yeah, effect, effectively think of a big number of of money and put a few extra noughts on it. Um. The the original Apollo Apollo missions were as spectacular as they were. They they weren't the best thought out in terms of long term goals and aims. It was very much all about let's let who can get there first, and that was that was mm. the focus of, of the mission, of the Apollo missions. And because of that, because because it was very much 
yeah developing as they went it became very very cost costly um, much more costly than it was expected and it didn't really have any scientific scientific goals attached with it so the mm. whole aim was to get on the surface literally plant a flag and, and come back again again safely and since since then although there's definitely been the scientific will and i guess maybe in the sort of the hearts and minds of, of, of people on earth there's, there's been the, the sort of the will to do it but there hasn't been enough of um a will to sort of commit i guess to commit the, the money towards towards the, the project and i think part of the problem has also been that as we've got further and further away from the apollo missions a lot of the expertise and knowledge to gain by that has, has been lost yeah, the people involved in 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 that program have have long since retired and many of them sadly have have, have died since then um so to a large extent i think we've we've almost had to start again mm. yeah i mean i remember seeing pictures of enormous piles of computer printout paper of the, of the code that was used to send people um, to the moon for the Apollo missions. Of course, computers have changed completely, so you can't even think about using that stuff. So yeah, I can see why you'd have to start again from scratch. Um, but that doesn't mean we haven't been sending things to the moon. I mean, we've been sending rockets to orbit around it. We sent satellites to, to take images of it. We've even sent landers to the moon many times in the last decades or so. So why is it so much harder to send people I think there's 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 two aspects of that because to send you've yeah you've talked about things we've sent to the moon orbiters and landers for, for the first things they've generally been one way trips um, so the the problem with all space travel is you need to take a large amount of fuel so for, to get from A to B in in the solar system you need a large amount of fuel if you want to get from A to B and then back to A again so if you want to go from the Earth to the Moon and back to the Earth again you not only need a lot of fuel to take everything to the moon, you need extra fuel to get back. So you, you end up with this sort of cumulative problem where you need extra fuel because you need to take more fuel to come back. So it's the, the missions to take anything to, to another body in the solar system and bring it back use substantially more fuel than the, than the missions that, that are just one way. And when you, when you factor people on top of that, people, yeah, people versus, let's say, a, a rover, then... The amount of the actual weight, the mass, the mass of the mission. Yeah, you have you have the mass of the crew. You have also the mass of the life support systems, um, and you you also have to build in lots more safety and redundancy because if yeah if a robotic rover goes goes wrong, that's unfortunate. If a mission with lots of people and it goes wrong, that's that's that, that's a tragedy, and that's not that's something nobody wants to happen. So the amount of extra added redundancy and safety causes a lot more mass but it also causes a lot more complexity in the mission and a lot more cost and therefore a lot more time yeah i can see that yeah i mean, I did notice looking at the artemis thing the one thing that surprised me was just how quickly it got to the moon and that's obviously that's going to be a big advantage if you're taking people because the longer they're up there the more things that can go wrong but also you need to take their food and their water and all that sort of stuff so if you can get there quickly and back it's better for the people but also obviously potentially cheaper but again getting somewhere faster is harder you need more fuel so that also makes sense that's cool but you're absolutely right though the moon the moon is really close it's <laughs> it's a three yeah depending how you go there are lots of different ways to go to the moon um as it turns, turns out you've actually got lots of options but you're, you're looking at a three to five day trip to get to the moon it's it's really close by it, it in principle you can you can get to the moon quicker than it would take you to fly from from from, well, from from Liverpool to Sydney and back again. You can, if you really want to, you get to the moon quicker than that. And obviously, it's a it's a lot further than that. But it's but it's not in sort of even solar system scales. It's it's not that far away. 
I sometimes get the impression it would take almost as long to get a train to Hull, but there we go. <laughs> um, now, as you know, I'm a little bit more sceptical about these sorts of things than you are. Um, I'm, I'm a big fan of space, but I'm less of a fan of space travel and rocketry. Um, I do think it's exciting, but I'm not always convinced that it's the best thing to do. I mean, we've got all these challenges and problems here on the Earth. And I can see why people might think that sending people to the moon, it's very expensive. It uses a lot of fuels and things. It might be a waste of resources. So why do you think it is important to do this? It is expensive if you sit down and write down the, num- the amount of money on there. But actually, I think we're talking a sort of total cost of the Artemis project um, is around about, I think, 35 billion US dollars, which is a lot of money. But that's a lot of money spread over a long number of years. And I think one thing that needs to be considered is about what most of that money is actually spent on. Most of that money isn't spent on bits of rocket and fuel and things like that. It's actually the vast majority of that money is spent on the salary of thousands and thousands of people who are employed in, in the space agency, not just in the US, but, but around the world. So the Artemis the Artemis program is a collaboration be- between NASA and the European Space Agency. Um, Although NASA will would not normally on the U and the US space agency won't normally tell you that, but <laughs> but it is a collaboration. So the service module on 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 the Orion spacecraft at the, at the top of the space launch system, so it's effectively the, the heart of the whole mission. That service module is built entirely by the European Space Agency, and that's that's what literally drives the spacecraft from low Earth orbit to to the moon and and back again. But most of the money for, for the Artemis project is coming from, from the US taxpayer. Um, a smaller proportion is coming from taxpayers of, of European countries. Those countries signed up to the European Space Agency, which which includes uh, the UK. But the amount of money spent on this is small compared with what you look at. All these other countries, all these countries collectively are spending on things like health and schools and even, you know, war and defense military it's it's a it's a it's a small amount of money and from a government perspective it's 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 now looked at as as an investment it's looked at as an investment into 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 science it's looked at investment into enthusiasm for next for next generations Mm -hmm. but i think we're also at a a point and we're, we're at a tipping point now where the commercial side of the space industry is is really starting to rear its head and I think what we'll probably see is, is the art, from my point of view, the Artemis project is probably the last big grand space adventure that's going to be made by by governments. I think we're, we're very much at a point now where where the commercial space space is is going to take over. And in a lot of ways, they they already are doing, and a lot of the ways are actually ahead of the game as well. The Artemis mission is designed to get people from the Earth to the to to the orbit of, of the Moon. One thing that people might have noticed if you compare Artemis with Apollo is the Apollo 8 mission, which is was very similar to the Artemis 1 mission that's just, just launched. I said the Apollo 8 had people on and the Artemis 1 didn't, took a lunar lander with it. It took the yeah, the sort of the, the famous sort of four-legged lunar lander that yeah that landed on the moon with, with, two, with two astronauts to the moon and back every time. The space launch system doesn't include that. So the the Artemis program doesn't itself have the ability to land people on the surface of the moon. They are actually relying on the commercial, the commercial side of the space industry to provide that lander for them, um, which is yeah, which is a very very different approach than's been used ever before for any for any for any mission like this. 
Yeah. It's interesting to see that that combination of the commercial and, and, and the governmental and so on, because we just that wasn't a part of Apollo. The commercial side were just contractors. They weren't bringing their brains to it in quite the same way. So that is important. That is a very big change. Mm-hmm. So this Artemis, great fun to watch, I have to say. Um, seeing the launch, watching it go in orbit um, and, and the complicated path it took to get back to the Earth and all of these stunning images it took, both not just of the moon, but of the Earth itself. Some of those pictures of... of Earth apparently rising beyond the moon were just beautiful. And then the fantastic splashdown. But obviously that was without people. Um, you, know, you, you don't do the first time with people on board. So what is next for Artemis? What, what's going to happen in the, in the near and medium future for Artemis? Well, actually, I'm, I'm just going to comment on that, on that Earthrise video. It's been, mm. it's been called, because actually, I think it was, I've already mentioned Apollo 8. So Apollo 8 was the first human crewed spacecraft to to go around the moon and come back it didn't land it was it was one of the dress rehearsal missions for the, the later apollo 11 lander and i think it, it went around the moon on, on christmas day i think in i think it was 1968 it might have been 1967 it's one of the two but it, it took what was i think deemed one of the most iconic photos of the 20th century which was a, a picture of the earth rising above the, the limb of the moon and i think it the Artemis mission recreated that, but it very much recreated that in the 21st century way, giving giving you a, a full high resolution video of of the crescent mm. Earth rising above above the limit the limit of the moon. And I thought that was that was absolutely fantastic, and that was actually live um, streamed almost live from from the moon as well. Yeah. But now from the Artemis, I think we've got a we've got a bit of a wait. So yeah, so we're coming towards the end of 2022. There's 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 a huge amount of work now that NASA need to do to actually assess all the data gathered from from the mission. There's at the top of the Artemis, um, the Space Launch System rocket. There is the Orion capsule, which has, which is actually its second flight. It's the Orion capsule itself is almost 10 years old already, and actually it flew on the Ares One mission first on the Ares One mission. Yeah, about around about a decade ago. So what they need to now do is is almost basically take to pieces this this Orion capsule that returned to work out what worked on it, what didn't work so well, because it's it's the Orion capsule itself that's, that has to keep the crew alive for the, for the, the largest proportion of the mission. It, it had a brand new heat shield on it. This was the first time it's actually been tested in anger during, during re-entry. There's a huge amount of data from, from on board the craft. So they, they had a, a couple of what described as, as human simulators, um, but they're, they're sort of similar to trash test dummies used for um, testing cars, but a lot more advanced. That had thousands and thousands of sensors on the data from which it would need to be to be analysed. And there's, there's a huge amount to learn. So the Artemis One mission was was hugely ambitious. It, it was the first time the Space Launch System f- flew. It simulated a whole, almost all of a of a of a crewed mission to the moon in in one go. There's a huge amount of data to go through. It was an exceptionally successful mission. I think actually everyone was amazed at how successful it was. The only issue that I'm aware of was actually a, an issue with a um, a radio receiver on the ground, not not on on the <laughs> itself. Um, but there's vast amount of data to go through because the next the next time they launch and that next launch is is currently um planned for may 2024 the next time it launches there's going to be four people on board so everything went well this time i i assume there will be things that didn't quite go to plan the minor things that you don't eat there the public don't really get to hear about but they need to understand all of, all of those problems and yeah so the, the the next big date for artemis is is the artemis 2 launch in may 2024 uh, and the plan is there'll be four people on on board, and that will 
be a very similar mission to the Artemis 1 mission, except it, it won't spend as long in orbit of, um, of the moon. It's it's a 10-day mission. It's five days out, swing around the moon, come back for five days and, and land. And then if it all goes well with, with that mission, then the following year in 2025, so actually not that long to wait again, there'll be Artemis 3 will launch again with four people. And the plan for that mission is to return two humans to the surface of the moon for the first time in, in in what will be then 56 years which is which is yeah it's quite in, incredible and actually when you think about it like that it's so so long ago overdue as you said and yeah i i'm too i'm too young um, to remember the the moon landings themselves i was i wasn't born but i grew up in in the very early legacy of that and there was still a huge amount of excitement of in and around the human space flight at the time so it's, it's something we're very I think a lot of people are very, very much looking forward to. Yeah. And then beyond beyond that, I, um, there are currently detailed plans for for six Artemis launches. Uh, four, yeah, Artemis three through six will will deliver not only people to the surface of the moon, but they will actually start to construct the gateway space station in in orbit of the moon. Because again, we talked about this earlier, but the plan this time isn't just to keep going to the surface, coming back, bringing some rocks. The plan is to actually start to build some long-term infrastructure on and and around the moon um, to help facilitate future missions beyond the influence of Earth, so to future missions to to Mars. But again, as we already mentioned, the whole whole landing part is very much reliant on the commercial space industry to to support these missions. Yeah, it's interesting what you were saying about um, growing up with the influence of this, because I'm just about old enough to technically remember some of the landings, although I don't. Um, but I do remember the enthusiasm that my teachers had about all of this and how it got them excited. And that came on to me. And that might be one of the reasons why I'm now doing science. It might well have influenced me at that stage. So from that point of view, definitely important. And getting that buzz back will be really good. It's one question I have to ask you, though. Ten years time, you're given a ticket and can go to the moon. Would you go? Yes. No questions asked, I think. <laughs> um, well, that would be my initial reaction that i'd probably start looking in a bit more detail and asking questions but but yes um there have been two calls for astronauts for, in, in recent years for, from um european space agency and both times i've applied so yes absolutely whether whether i want to strap myself to the top of a, of a rocket like like the space launch system is a, is another question but yeah in, in theory yeah and i think in so every 10 years time um if you actually if you, if you look at the plans for the Artemis mission. By that point, we're, we're looking at plans for Artemis 11. We're looking at what NASA describes as, as as surface logistics being built up um, on the surface. So this yeah, this this is a a fledgling moon base, um, for, for for want of a better term, that's being built up on on the surface of the moon. And if we're to go to places in in the solar system like Mars or beyond, or even beyond, so the, the moons of, of Jupiter, for example, or, or asteroids and, th- and things like that, then going to the moon has to become almost commonplace. Um, and now, if, if you yeah, we're reaching the point where where putting people in orbit is on the cusp of becoming commonplace. There are already paying tourists now frequently going into orbit. Yeah, we, we've got the, the, the Blue Origin system. Um, you, yeah, we've got Virgin Galactic, which, although to be fair, has been on the cusp of sending paying customers to orbit for a decade and a half now, really is about to start to start full, full operations. 
we're very much on the cusp of a huge of a huge revolution in in space travel and yeah it's really exciting exciting times so at the minute for that for all those that are interested in in such things I think you've pretty much converted me. This sounds fantastic. <laughs> and looking back, thinking it's it's not much more than 100 years since we had the first powered flight on Earth. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so what the next 20, 30, 50 years is going to bring is going to be absolutely fantastic. Um, thank you, Matt. Thank you for getting me enthusiastic about space again. Um, and I'm looking forward <laughs> to what Artemis does next. So thank you very much indeed. Thanks, Andy. Thanks, Andy.